folks, and welcome to This Is Who We Are. I'm Sean Watkins. This is my podcast and my new album, all rolled into one. Each episode features one song off the record paired up with a conversation with a guest who is related to that song in some way. And that's the main point. Each guest is either loosely or sometimes directly related to the song in one way or another. The goal is just to use this album as sort of a topical springboard for me and my guests. And from there, we can go anywhere. My guest in this episode, folks, is the one and only Kate Micucci. Now, you might know her from a variety of places. She is one of the hardest working people I know. Uh, She's one half of the comedy duo Garfunkel and Oates, um, but she's been in a lot of TV and movies. Uh, Some of the TV shows you may have seen her in are Big Bang Theory, Easy, Scrubs, Raising Hope, Bored to Death, so many other things. Um, Movie-wise, Don't Think Twice, really great. Unleashed, uh, The Little Hours, which is a really great movie. I just saw it. You should check it out. It's so funny. Um, she also does voiceover stuff. She is Velma in Scooby-Doo, Webby in DuckTales. She's also in Unikitty and Nature Cat. She does it all, folks. Um, and she also, she just happens to be one of my very favorite people. She's a very close friend of mine. And um, the reason I wanted her to be on this episode is because the song relating to this episode, called Goodbye, um, has a lot of references to Los Angeles. And more specifically, my little corner of it here on the east side in the Eagle Rock area. Anyway, I thought of her because she wrote a song years ago called Walking in Los Angeles that was really cute, but also very insightful. And, um, you know, she grew up on the East Coast. She moved out here to, um, to do what she wanted to do. And she's just one of those people that's just ruling at living in Los Angeles. But first, I'm going to play the album version of the song related to this episode. Here we go. This is Goodbye. Of a million folks just trying to get home 
The graveyard's in the foreground now And the Dodgers right behind Buried neath the stadium's glow Somehow above the chaos Order seems to rise And it gives a weary heart some hope It's down with defending myself From those hiding dives Within words sounding kind You'll no longer be wasting my time Close your eyes at the moment you've reached the brink Saying you're not your feelings and you are not your fears Stop believing everything you think Down with these endings I've made up in my mind Hidden knives within words that sound kind Okay, so uh, we'll just we'll start here officially. I am in my little basement studio with the one and only Kate Micucci, folks. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> we've been hanging out and talking, and now we're just we've got the the microphones turned on. We're rolling. Uh, we're rolling. Uh, this song deals a lot with Los Angeles, and um, you have this really cool song called "Walking in Los Angeles." Um, which uh, we've done at our family hour shows a couple times. I think the first time we did it, uh, we had cl- a clog dancer. Uh, yes, uh, who, Abby Abigail Washburn. Yeah, she. Yes. That's it was crazy, and then um, and then she sang part of it in Mandarin. I remember that. This was, <laughs> was this so is what I love fun. about Largo. We we had yeah Abigail Washburn. She was playing banjo, and she's fluent in Chinese, and so we had Kate play and sing her song "Walking in Los Angeles." And and Abby was clogging, clog dancing while translating in Mandarin. It was like just magical. <laughs> it was I, so fun. That is the great. But you're right. Largo like <laughs> brings people together in a way that like things like that just happen. Yeah. I remember rehearsing it at your house, and uh, and then I was like, this is going to be crazy. <laughs> and also that was really early on in our friendship, and uh, I was like just geeking out so hard that you would even want me to play your show because i i mean we, we could talk about this for you know i don't know if we want to dive into this right now but i'm su- i was such a fan like since uh i saw you guys i saw nickel creek on austin city limits when i was still living in pennsylvania at home i was maybe i guess 
early in college years. Mm-hmm. And I, on my little TV in my bedroom, I was like, who is this? <laughs> and I wrote down the words Nickel Creek on a scrap piece of paper and I put it in my desk drawer. But like I still like it was still early days of the internet. I didn't know how to buy a CD yeah. online or anything like that. And Walmart, I don't know. I maybe Walmart had it. That would that must have been like early two thousands. That sounds right. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand one. I was probably still at art school in yeah. Pennsylvania because I know I was living in Pennsylvania. And then when I moved to LA, my first trip to Amoeba Records, first album I bought was the Nickel no Creek way. album. Yeah. That is such a great tie-in. I know first it's record crazy. You bought in LA. Yep. And so I was cool. with my mom and dad, and we went to Amoeba and. I bought your record and then years later just through Largo friends and yeah uh, our friends um Ben Acker really ben Acker was and Ben Blacker yeah introduced us um they had they had a show at Largo called Thrilling Adventure Hour that they did every month and um and they just said at some point they said hey you should meet Kate Kuchi. she'd be great for your show and gave us our your number and we just I remember calling you yeah. and we talked for forever <laughs> I know I remember I was at my sister's house in Carlsbad and it was like hey I've met a new Met a new life friend. It was it was pretty crazy, and, yeah. and and yeah, I think it was nice too because like we both had so many friends in common. But also, yeah. I don't know. I think you and I have had very similar up, upbringings, and yeah. uh, like when my brother moved out here, like it's really cool. Like you're really close to your sister, obviously. Yeah. And my brother and I are really close. It's it was just like cool to have like. It's also you know this friends. is part of what I was I wanted to talk to you about. Like people move to Los Angeles. Um, I can take these headphones off now. I guess. Um, they moved to Los Angeles and um, from other parts of the country to do acting or music or you know, lots of lots of reasons. And it can be really tough because you just never know what kind of friend uh, pool you're going to end up in. You know, and a lot of times people end up in with groups of friends that are just really unhealthy, you know, because it's a lot of people just wanting to be famous. <laughs> and so finding people like you, my, that's my point. It's it's like it's just so refreshing and it makes L.A. Uh, so much different than what people think it is, you know, so much different than the cl- the cliche. I, I, I really, I mean, totally. I feel like also, I believe that like, like minds, you, you, we find like, we'll find mm-hmm. each other somehow. Yeah. Like, and so uh, it, it really made sense, I think. Uh, and then through, through you, I've met like my closest girlfriends, which is crazy. So my, like my girl group yeah. is really all of your old <laughs> girl roommates. <laughs> my old roommates, yeah. Like my closest friends I have to thank, uh, to thank you for. It's so, so it's so great. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I mean, but the thing is like our crew and like, I'd say our crew is pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, like it's just, it feels like it just kind of fell into place so naturally. Yeah. 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 It's, it kind of goes when people talk about Los Angeles and what it's like to live here. Um, I always just say, um, like, L.A. is what you make it. You, you kind of have to assemble your own sort of team of people. And, and if you can, it's great. Um, have you ever had that thing happen where people, like, if you're on the other side of the country or in the Midwest or something, and people ask you where you're from, and you say L.A., and they kind of give you, like, a whoa or a smirk or, like, ew. <laughs> yeah. Or I, I also get, oh, I want to go there someday. I get a lot right. of that. And I'm always like, do it if you can. Just go, yeah. you know. Or the people who want to move there, here, (laughs) we're here. But I I always just say do it. I mean, I feel like even in the past five years, I was looking at a graph of how many people are moving here. And it's like, it's becoming like the track, like so cliche to talk about traffic in Los Angeles, but it is getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. But I mean, people still flock here. Yeah. But but I think I just getting back to. Do you remember that one hang we had at, when you were living with Sam 
uh, at the Silver Lake house. Mm-hmm. And we, it was like the day after Thanksgiving vacation. Everybody kind of was back. And we had this like epic hang at your house. And we were all like, you know what? It's like we have our families, of course. But then like we have our our family we've built like and it's just like to to feel like you actually have a family totally. with your friends is yep. like such a cool thing i know it, and it feels the same it really does yeah it, it's it's very, a, very very rare it's a comfortability <laughs> is that how you say it uh com, com, comfort comfortability comfortability sure yeah that's that's the word it's comfy <laughs> it's comfy, cozy. <laughs> um so that so that your song walking in los angeles um when you wrote it what were you, what were you thinking about uh, I was thinking about, I mean, I really was visualizing Sunset Boulevard. I, there's a lyric in there about the meter maid. And I like always pictured the, that meter maid working on Sunset near, near like, uh, Gardner and like that little guitar area where there used to be all those music shops. They're, they're like, you know, by the guitar center, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my roommate at the time owned a guitar store over there called Vintage Gear. And so I was hanging out oh, yeah. there a lot. And so, um, so I don't know. When I wrote the song, I was kind of picturing Sunset, and we lived right off of Sunset Boulevard at the time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I was just picturing that. And it's funny, like it's that actually I just removed myself from that sentence. Like it sounds so glamorous, you know. But it's like <laughs> it was not. It was not so glamorous. But uh, I know it's funny how that section of of Hollywood. The first time I ever came to like actual Hollywood, I used to come to L.A. as a kid because my aunt lived in. Uh, Redondo Beach but that's like way south you know that's like 20 30 miles away and it doesn't really look or feel like LA or Hollywood or you know like the the LA sort of um, you know all the stereotypical stuff and um, but I think it was like 15 or 16 we were recording Nickel Creek we were recording this record in Silver Lake actually right behind where the Gelson's is oh right next to the Gelson's across from Trader Joe's yeah that's where the original Disney Studios was. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And um, and this was probably 91. Oh, 90, you were So baby. it was like 92. Yeah. I yeah. Was, yeah. And um, it was really rough back then. I mean, it was not rough, but it was like gritty, you know? Right. And um, that was when people started buying houses in Silver Lake because it was so affordable. You know, it was really pretty, pretty cheap there still. Um, but... Instead, oh, what I was gonna say is, I remember driving that exact strip on Sunset, thinking like, "This is what people are talking about." Because yeah. it's so not glamorous. It's really dirty. I mean, it's cool. It's you're in the you know in the thick of it, and the Hollywood Hills are right there and stuff. But it's kind of you know, it's like a dirty sidewalks and and like you're kind of alluding to in the song, you're in the heart of this big city, and there's just people driving and like one or two people walking. Yeah, nobody's you know, versus walking. Like New York or other cities where it's just crowded crowded sidewalks there i mean there was already that great song about walking in la you know from the 80s but i this when i I remember writing walking in los angeles and i was just figuring out how to play guitar differently and i was i'm not i would never say i'm a guitar player really (laughs) i know a few chords but that song just happened like it was just like it just spewed out of me really fast and Mm -hmm. um and then i was my friend nick was recording me because he I had played him some of my songs and he was like, can we record this? And he had a little studio in his apartment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe someone I can record the song. I'm like, I'm not a singer, but maybe I can sing it as like a reference for someone to actually sing it. Like a real singer can yeah. sing it. And he was like, no, you're doing it. And he's like, this song is your song. And I was like, no, 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 no. I like, I could <laughs> never, I was like embarrassed. Right. Yeah. And he, he basically was like, you're recording this right now, right here. And I needed that kick to like do it and we recorded it that night and if you hear I mean that's the recording that exists online and it's definitely like oh my god I'm like kind of doing a thing with my voice but like (laughs) I I remember that night going home with this song and I was like 
oh my gosh, like maybe I can write songs. Yeah. And it felt like Christmas and I didn't sleep that whole night. I was just so excited. Yeah. And yeah, so that song has always meant a so lot to me. So this was way before Garfunkel and Outside. Yeah, this would be 2005 and yeah. uh, and a few years. And I kept writing songs after that. And so yeah. I had a bunch of solo songs a few years later. And then I did a solo show called Playing with Makuchi yep. at the Steve Allen Theater. And um, that was the dirtiest part of the show was just the title. <laughs> and everything it was like kid friendly. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> there were puppets. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then I met Ricky and I were friends. We became friends in 2006, but we were just like, you know, go to lunch and and have a uh, you know have game nights and things ricky my singing partner in yeah. garfunkel notes but then we started writing dirty songs and then that was a whole other rocket ship what was the um impetus for for the band for like, garfunkel yeah. notes well during the writer's strike of 2007 ricky ricky's very uh she's really proactive and can see like 10 steps ahead sometimes and she was like this strike is happening i want to keep working i'm gonna just write and direct a short for myself yeah. and um she had seen me sing my songs at at playing with Makuchi and and she was like do you want to be in this short that I'm making and I want to make it a musical and she and she also was writing funny songs at the yeah. time so we got together and we wrote two songs in one afternoon and are they are they ones you still do uh yeah well no one definitely we didn't really sing after it, it ended up in the short and then the other mm -hmm. one I won't swear but uh, it's called <laughs> F you and um <laughs> and that you can swear on the on we, my podcast i can okay yeah, well yeah. Eh, you get the idea uh i we can keep it kid friendly and uh and so we wrote that one and ricky put our wanted to show her parents the songs we wrote so she filmed mm -hmm. us on her like camcorder and put it on youtube for her parents to see this is early days of youtube so yeah. we didn't know what that was going to be and then people started watching the videos and then I was like, oh, I was so embarrassed people were watching our videos. I was like, no. <laughs> and then it turned out to be a really great blessing. And then I was on Scrubs and the creator of Scrubs, Bill Lawrence, was like, hey, I saw this video of yours. Can we use this song on Scrubs? And then we did that and brought a lot of more people to to our band. And um, yeah. so it kind of just like snowballed in the beginning. I think sometimes I just believe that when things are a good thing, like the universe sort of pushes it mm -hmm. fast at first, yeah. like it definitely got hard, mm -hmm. but there was like a good few like giant pushes in the beginning that just like clicked mm -hmm. to help us get to a place where we were actually like established. Yeah. And then you did, um, the TV show, right? Was it comedy central? Uh, I was for IFC. Yeah. And oh, then right, it was IFC. on Netflix. Um, which is so great. Thanks. So you had all these songs. So you guys have been playing for like, a few years like just shows at comedy clubs and, yeah and we've venues. been touring the country and then built this whole story and show around those songs exactly That's, that right yep yeah. and then we did um we did what was it i guess well we only did eight episodes it was only one season yeah. for for a lot of reasons um but yeah i'm really proud of that show it's, it was so great it's, it's called really, garfunkel and notes really if anyone's cool. interested i think it's on itunes probably uh and our specials on Netflix. Uh, we'll just plug. Let's plug our Funk yeah. right now. There you go. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, and Ricky and I are still writing all the time. And, you know, we write songs for for movies. And, and we just wrote a few new songs. In fact, we just uh, put up a couch video. We call them couch videos, basically. So it just it started as a couch video because you, you just said yeah, it. Yeah, like Ricky's parents. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> so cool. Early days like of YouTube. Millions and millions of views later. You know, get, getting back to the idea of uh, L.A. and songs about L.A. and just kind of like lyrics that are so like, like just matter of fact. Mm -hmm. um, do you know the story of uh, all I want to do is have some fun? No. Um, it's a poem. Some guy wrote a poem about L.A. Mm -hmm. and uh, and I, the story I read online, which I don't know. Hopefully it's real. But 
like they were recording and somebody brought in this book of poetry and this poem had happened to be in it wow. and they just b built the song on top of these lyrics Whoa. and if you find the poem online it's literally there's only like a few That's word changes so, so this guy like ended up with a giant hit and no um way. can you imagine just like finding out somebody so picked your poem out of a poem book and funny. then made a made a like number one single you know what it? i um gave lessons to um guitar lessons like maybe that's probably like six or seven years ago i did this thing at a music store in la where i was giving group lessons like group guitar lessons like four or five people um and the idea was to kind of teach people how to play with each other people who had you know knew how to play but didn't really know how to to jam to, yeah to jam basically and then um a couple people i gave private lessons to and um one of them was this woman i mean i don't know if i should say her name because uh, i haven't asked her about this but um she went to see don mclean play back in the day and then wrote this poem and um she went with this guy that she was dating who's like a music a and r guy and she claims that it was um killing me softly the whole poem was killing me softly her boyfriend stole the poem and gave it to whoever recorded it first. I can't remember who that was, but um, she, but she claimed she's like I wrote it. I totally wrote it. Everyone knows I wrote it, but I don't. I'm not getting given credit. That's because, crazy. And then, There's and no so, way to track so it down. And she said she even went to Don McLean to a show like five years ago, and um, and got to meet him and and talk to him about. It. He's like, I, I'm sorry that you never got credit. Like he gave her credit for it. But, but did it was, he sing it? Don no, no. Sorry, he. He had heard that she wrote it after oh. seeing him play. Roberta Flack. She's is. Yes. I'm just looking it up right now. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, it was a poem that just kind of. It's so weird how stuff like that can just. Wow. You never know when it just it'll it'll get used. That's so that's crazy. that's really interesting. That song. Yeah, that's a great L.A. song. That um. Uh, I, uh, all I want to do as a teenager hearing like you know until the sun comes up over Santa Monica Boulevard I'm driving on Santa Monica Boulevard almost every day now this yeah, is crazy there's a bunch of car washes on them yeah too. there's so many car washes yeah, yeah, for people on the their one? lunch breaks <laughs> driving their car, cars uh, in their as best they can with skirts and suits yeah but no, honestly, look up the poem. It's literally that. It it's pretty sounds, amazing. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, Bartender looks up from his wan ads. Oh, yeah. Now it would be cell phone, but. From his what? His want, want ads. I want, think he's like, oh, like he's ads. like looking for something else, That's right? so funny. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Now it would be. Is that the lyric? Also, I do hear lyrics like incorrectly all the time. So maybe it's something else. Have completely. you ever heard, thought you heard a lyric one way and then researched it and it was another way, but you used the way that you heard it? Oh, I'm sure a million I've, times I've over. I've definitely done that where I'm like, oh, it's such a cool lyric. And then I look it up and it's not that lyric. Yeah. And then I'm like, whoa, well, if it's not that, then I can use the one that I made up. <laughs> I, shoot, this actually, oh, I wish I could remember what it was. Uh, it's not a good story. Like I heard I can't something remember. in a grocery store the other day. Um, it's it's kind of funny. Like what, um, it brings up the question, like what what's okay to sort of borrow and use from like phrases that, because like I'll hear somebody say something and I'll think that's such a cool thing, such a cool way you, you said that and I'll write it down and I'll see if I can use it in a song at some point. And like, like somebody, I was watching the news the other day and it was like a local news anchor or something just said, I know what you're thinking and you're right. And I just thought, <laughs> I was like, that's so cool. That's really funny. <laughs> like, that's really clever. And she just went on to say something else. And so I wrote it down and I was, you know, thinking that's that could be a I song can, yeah. yeah and no one would ever really know no well no way and that, like that lady probably wouldn't remember Bob what Dylan she said unless it's her catchphrase which you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i know what you're thinking you're <laughs> right you're right <laughs> you know what i always say it sounds like a good kind of 
pickup line. Yeah, right. Totally. Uh. <laughs> well, um, uh, that song, I'll be, uh, I'll be your, co- what, ha- oh, I'll be, uh, the greatest uh, fan of your life. Oh yeah. He, I remember hearing him in an interview. I'm, what is this? Uh, shoot. Uh, oh, Sean Mullins. No, it was, uh, but around the same time it was, uh, uh, wasn't that his name? No, it's not Sean Mullins. Sean Mullins is the one that did. Um, oh, he did the other LA rough, song. It's a pirate. Yeah, it is an LA, and it's about Fairfax too. Yes. Um, that's I always thought that was the pirate song. She grew up with the children of the stars. Yeah, I think Hollywood he... Boulevards. <laughs> I was like, that guy's a pirate. But yeah. no, who did I'll be? Um, uh, Edwin. Yes, McCain. McCain. So yeah. I remember hearing him on the radio when that song first came out. I was listening to Z100. I was in art class in, oh, in New yeah. York, and uh, and I was listening to the radio, and he said that he overheard that as a pickup line in a bar i'll be the greatest fan of your life baby (laughs) and i was like that's so good that's really cool yeah you never know where you're gonna gleam some little piece of inspiration you know right um yeah i I think that that other song it's sean mullen's song um had to do with uh i think he was referencing um genghis cohen that oh that makes sense on fairfax that totally makes sense um i i mean that's the greatest thing about la i mean i'm i'm a history buff no matter where i am i want to know yeah. like what what happened where and our city is just rich because so it's like much. it's just full of so many stories and stories that affected you know not just our town so yeah. like i've been do you ever listen to that podcast um you must remember this yes it's so good and so I, good. i'm finally diving into the charles manson ones oh, i'm currently great. and i was just looking up where uh the the um hairstylist who got murdered where his uh hair what would you call it? His salon was on Fairfax. Right. Yeah. And I was, I was like looking up where it was on Google maps. And then I dreamt that I went there, which was super weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Oh, that's fun for a podcast. You want to hear about my dreams? No. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. There's so much, there's a lot of stuff that has to do with Manson. I heard that um, Trent Reznor bought that house where the murder happened. Well, yeah. Also, well, I know they've tore down that house right. and then, um, and now I know well, I don't want to know I don't know if I can say who lives there but um <laughs> but yeah I've been to a party yeah. on the land where the now a big mansion is on that yeah. property but um it's really tragic I mean just hearing hearing that podcast it's a great podcast if you yeah like check history. it out the, the section on Charles Manson is like 10 episodes or something yeah it's... and each episode has so much history with like you know there's so much about the Beach Boys um involvement with him and I mean, he was really in the the Los Angeles music scene. Actually, Jackson has a story. Next time you talk to him, yeah, yeah, he's got a... I know. It's crazy. I know people that knew him. Yeah. I know like three people. Because he was really in the music scene, or trying to be anyway. Yeah. And he was apparently a really charismatic guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. there's a uh, speaking. I guess of his, you have to be if you're leading the cult. <laughs> I was going to say if you're like a cult leader. <laughs> Did you ever watch that show with David Duchovny, um, Age of Aquarius? No. It was really, we got into that. Me and Sam I remember got into you that. guys. Got into, yeah, yeah, I remember when you were like having nights of watching that. Um, but um, oh, there's a there's a show on PBS, I think, called. Um, I think it's called Hidden Mysteries of L.A. Have you seen the show? No, but I feel like I would so love good. it. It's like a modern, updated version of. Um, California's Gold. You know okay, that show? I love California's like, yeah, Gold. I love that show too. Um, it's like this, you know, kind of a you know younger NPR looking guy. It looks like Ira Glass or something. You know, there's better graphics and stuff. But it's it's mostly just stuff around LA that really would probably not in, so much interest people who don't live here. But if you do live here, it's fascinating. Um, but one of the things that he talked about was how like a big part of the reason why people moved out to LA was a World's Fair exhibit in Chicago in the early 1900s where they sort of 
portrayed LA as like this tropical paradise and you know it's like you can move here it's everything's new and the weather's great and like they had they had started shipping in palm trees into California at the time to make it seem more tropical even though they don't grow anywhere near here right and um, they brought this one palm tree out to Chicago on a train for this come to California exhibit and that palm tree came back on a train and is planted like right over by USC and it's still there. And no it's like way. the tree that sort of ushered in. People were like, whoa, there's palm trees in L.A. And people just started moving out to L.A. And it's like this one tree that has a whole lot to do with why people moved out here in the early 1900s. Isn't that crazy? It's, and it's still there alive. That is so cool. I mean, that's the thing. We have a baby town. This town is so young. So young. Like I, uh, I found this documentary on YouTube about silent film stars uh-huh. in the silent movie era and it was made if i were to guess like maybe in the 70s mm-hmm. so a lot of these these movie stars that were in silent films are in their i don't know 70s 80s but this but i guess when when they you know people started flocking here for the movie business uh the people who were originally here were like wait a second like this is not <laughs> we didn't want this to happen let's yeah. just have our farms what's happening yeah and uh and so they were discriminated against and so they show want like like um you know rentals like you know house for rent or room for rent and you if you worked in the movie business you were called a movie so uh-huh. like if you were an actor if you were you know a uh-huh. makeup artist whatever you were a movie and uh they're the my favorite quote of the whole documentary is um, this woman goes, I know discrimination. I was a movie. <laughs> and I'm like, that's amazing. Oh, man. Yeah. But to think like, you know, this, this town was kind of doing all right without I know. that. And then it just became. Yeah. It was like a, a Pueblo town since like the 1700s. And um, it's and oh, I watched also watched another um, documentary on. Uh, well, I think it was the California's Gold where they talk about the L.A. River and the basically. You know, it's just all, for those of you that don't live here in L.A., it's just this huge cement ditch that goes for miles and miles. <laughs> Once in a while, there's a and it's not, little bit of water yeah, in there. Yeah, and it's just, it's been in a lot of movies and, uh, like, famous chase scenes and stuff like that. But it is it is not really, it's not very easy on the eyes. I actually kind of like it now at this point, but it's, a lot of people complain about it. But they did that because it used to, the whole downtown area used to flood. There would be flash floods. Um, whenever it would rain up in the mountains, so that's why they did that because it had to. Um, oh, did did you <laughs> did uh, have you seen? Um, uh, I just rewatched Sunset Boulevard recently. Have I've you, never seen the movie. Oh my gosh, you have to because it's about. Uh, it takes place in like the fifties or sixties. At Schwab's drugstore. It, yeah, it's it's aging, you know, um, silent movie star. I know. I I'm, just can't come to grips with the fact that there's you know talkies now. And being a real Broadway musical uh, fan slash nerd, I've seen Sunset Boulevard and also just like, obsessed over that music. So I know the story, but uh, but yeah, isn't Schwab's? Oh, there's, a, there's a play. Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber oh, did cool. the musical, and I love it. I love it. I, it's such a great musical in my mind. Um, but it's such a cool story. It's like I should watch the movie. I, it's weird I haven't seen it. It's, Schwab's Drugstore, by the way. Here's yeah. some fun trivia. Uh, Somewhere over the rainbow was written in Schwab's Drugstore. Whoa. Yeah, and it's it was where um, now the uh, Sunset Five movie theater. Yep. Like that's where it used to be. And you know what? Check this out. So after I saw that movie, everyone should watch this movie. By the way, it's so great. Um, it's about this struggling writer in Los Angeles who's like out of money and is going to have to move back to like Muncie, Indiana um, with his tail between his legs. But then he stumbles upon this mansion, it's, you know, seemingly empty mansion that's owned by this crazy eccentric old, um, you know, um, 
silent movie star. Um, and but he hangs out in this area, this deli called it's called yeah Schwab's. What with deli or Schwab? drugstore? I think. Drugstore. But, but they yeah, had yeah, food. Yeah. And, it was like yeah. a soda fountain kind of diner type place. And it, there's like all these scenes in the movie that take place there. And after I watched that movie, I was I was so into it. Um, I I wanted to find out where Schwab's was, so I went to. At the time, this would have been like, I don't know. I mean, the internet was around, but it wasn't like we were Googling all the time. You know, like you were saying, it was like, it just wasn't quite as easy. And um, right, so at the time I went to a bookstore and I think it was like a, it wasn't a Barnes and Noble, but some big chain bookstore, maybe, maybe up Borders and went there and I saw this book and it said, um, historic LA places. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check that out. Maybe it's in there. And I, I looked up Schwab's drugstore and they have like a little map and i was like holy shit it's right in this it was it not only in that building but that exact spot of the building where i was holding the book that's it was in that that they're probably like six feet from where i was holding that book of all the places i decided to look up that freaking store it happened to be in that spot i had this is gonna sound crazy the same experience walking into skylight books on vermont Mm -hmm. and i walked in and i picked up the first book I see and I like just, you know, glance at it and I start reading and it's talking about Beck walking into a bookstore on Vermont. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is the bookstore. Yeah. But I guess that's why the book was there in the first yeah. place. Probably like, it's you know, featured. S- but still, it's a weird thing. But yeah, that's pretty wild. I, yeah. I like, I you know, maybe there's some sort of psychic thing too, like the fact that you were like, I want to know where this place was. And then you were in the place. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm obsessed with the movie while you were sleeping. Uh, yeah. the Sandra Bullock classic. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. um, it is set in Chicago and I was shooting a TV show in Chicago a few months ago and I'm in the makeup chair and just out of nowhere, this overwhelming feeling of like, I should look up where they shot some of those mm-hmm. scenes. Like maybe there's a lo- location nearby. Yeah. Sure enough. Sandra Bullock's apartment in that movie was literally, I don't know. I, I like around the corner. Like I could have, I could have run there in two seconds from where I was sitting. So crazy. Yeah. So then I ran over there and I like reenacted some scenes and it was fun. Of course you uh, did. Yeah. In fact, like a couple who lived there, they had their baby and they're like walking through like, you doing while you were sleeping, huh? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. Me and the other actor, John Gallagher, he was like being Bill Pullman and I was being Sandra Bullock uh, on our lunch break. But but yeah, uh, there is something weird about like, I do think obviously I think we're all psychic in some way and we have these like, how did that happen? But like you already knew in some weird way. I know. I know. I know. Who knows what, like, what you're, when you're walking around, like what, what's like tapping you on the shoulder saying, Hey, think about this. Yeah. There are so many times when I'm driving around the city and I'm not paying attention at all. And I'll just all of a sudden realize, Oh yeah, I had this experience that happened right over there. It happens to be in New York all the time. Um, I mean, that's different because I could recognize the place, but there's been so many times when I've not even been thinking about something or thinking about where I am or I'm looking at my phone and I'm in a cab and I'll just kind of know that I'm in a particular area where something happened. Yeah. I, I've like, I've had that too, where I drive, I like I'm in an Uber and I get a text from somebody and then I'm like, I'm outside your house, Yeah, but like just driving by, like, how does that happen? I know. I feel like, uh, another crazy thing just about living in LA because there's so many windy roads and hills and just like, it, it's not like it's, you know, New York's on a grid. So it makes more sense. Like I, for probably 10 years of living here, I would turn a corner and be like, wait, I'm here now. Yeah. Like that connects here. <laughs> yeah. Like I, like I've been here before, uh, before, but like, I didn't know that this connected here to yeah. there. And that just would keep happening to me. Now I, I feel like at this point I have a pretty good sense of the city, but it's just so massive. 
and it's um you know it's easy to to get lost wait are you talking about la la yeah, yeah. it is crazy it's um glenn phillips has this really great lyric it's like um la uh, it's just a normal city drop from a great height like basically kind of equating la to like if you just drop an egg on the ground you know it's just sort of like scattered because there's nothing to contain it like yeah like new york you know um it just it just keeps going um you know next to where schwab's drugstore was um there uh, like on this like like island median it no longer exists but it was a uh, beat poetry place i think it was called pandora's box yeah and that's where the riots happened that um who wrote stop listen what's what's that sound everybody look, oh yeah what's going down um was based on the riots Buffalo that happened springfield did ha- it i think is that yeah i can't remember it was a band that uh, neil young was in um buffalo what, springsteen where was it crosby stills no, i don't know who it was wrote a, it? yeah it was um this is this it is was, uh <laughs> steven's i think steven stills stings it maybe yeah i gotta look it up or now. graham nash but but that song was written about a place two block no not even uh half a block from where wow. drugstore was but uh that song is like the quintessential vietnam movie song you know it is buffalo springfield you're right and then okay and then two seconds from there if That's you keep the just so- going this song starts like this right just like yeah like, like oh my guitar's kind of muted right now yeah it's just like a simple harmonic or no maybe anyway yeah um keep playing though yeah no um and then next to that is the chase bank which used to be there's a giant parking lot which is big paradise but of a parking lot because Joni mitchell was always driving down laurel canyon and would it spits out right into there and that used to be uh that hotel garden of allah which when it was like abandoned and overgrown was this giant like paradise looking like thing and then in the 60s they tore it down built the bank and um and she wrote that song yeah laurel canyon is just like haunted with his music history when um the first place that i ever got in la was was it was was a nickel creek band house and it was in laurel canyon off of lookout mountain road and um you can just feel the history and i mean at at this point you know it's it's not really musicians that live up there so much but but it still has that feel to it and there's all these houses and you like living there i remember their neighbors would tell stories about you're like, oh, this house was Houdini's house, and he built a tunnel underneath Laurel Canyon Boulevard to his mistress's house over there, and that was right down the street from us, you know? Or I feel like, like there's a know... lot of mistresses' houses around yeah, the town. I used to live next to a house that was a mistress' house for um, Lon Chaney, so yeah. Oh, you lived in the mistress' house? Uh, no, I lived next to Remember that really cool old little, like, um, carriage house I lived in yeah. off of the Beachwood? Tree house? Yeah. yeah. The next door neighbor's house was built. It was called Viadora um, for wow. this woman. Yeah, I think I think these dudes were just like, you know, making sure their mistresses were taken care of. <laughs> um, I man, that particular part of Laurel Canyon where we lived, um, someone told me that um, within like shouting distance, distance it was like um, Joni Mitchell, David Crosby, um, John Lennon when he lived here, uh, Harry Nilsson. And like just so like fifteen other people, and they all lived in this one particular neighborhood. I feel like Jackson and, was in yeah, that he group, wasn't he? Was because one hundred percent. I read this book about Laurel Canyon. And he was yes. all over it. Yeah, that is such a great. It's a juicy book. I think you told me to read it. Yeah, yeah I'm remembering. I think yeah, I think it's called Calif- Hotel California. Yes, I think yeah. that's right. It's just like all the the juicy kind of gossip and the drugs and sex and stuff like that. And I mean, Jackson will tell you. He'll be the first one to tell you now that it was not like that. The the whole 
romanticized Laurel Canyon in the '70s thing. He'll he'll be the first to say like, yeah, we hung out, but it was we just did it was just us doing drugs. We didn't we never sat around and played music. How <laughs> you know? funny! Yeah, he's like that whole you know people think we were sitting around trading songs like we were just doing drugs and taking each other's girlfriends. Yeah! Wow. <laughs> Which is also pretty cool to yeah, read about. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It sounds so rock and roll, doesn't it? It's like, that's the coolest. But I think, you know, especially, um, you know, like, uh, for some reason over in, like, England, they've got this really romantic, romanticized version of it. And I saw this interview with Jackson um, where he was talking about it. You know, one of the DJs on the BBC, you know, and Jackson was like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but it was not like that at all. I was there. <laughs> you know? I'm just thinking, but, what's our version in our, like, you know, like we, uh, we're playing board games. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, our friend Jess has, uh, she calls us PG sweeties. So PG sweeties. Yeah. So, you know, it's like the, yeah, we do a lot of, the, a lot of games, a lot, we of, do, game um, nights and... a lot of game nights. I love, I love our game nights. Um, we, I could talk to, to you, Kate forever. Um, there was a couple things I wanted to. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask is because um, lately I've been, I had this this sort of epiphany the other day. I was driving around, and you know I've toured a lot. I make records and I tour and I play with other people, and I've had a great musical career so far, and I'm very happy. But I started thinking the other day, like what, like this year I had I had two things happen that. Um, that were very unexpected. I was I did like a little bit of acting um, in this new episode, uh, season of uh, Crashing, Pete Holmes. That's so cool. And then this um, really like straight down the middle, cheesy in the best way, Christmas movie called Christmas Harmony. That's going to be what? on. What? Um, I didn't know about Christmas just, Harmony. <laughs> I went to the premiere the other night. This is great. It, Wait, it, can so we do it's a on premiere? Lifetime. It's going to be on, like on loop oh, on Lifetime. We are for... so watch. We have to do a night. We have it to do is... a night where we watch it. So I, so I had no idea they shot it. I just, I don't. Who else I don't is have in Christmas line. Harmony? I just, I'm just singing and I'm singing a song, huh? Who else? Who are the leads of Christmas Harmony? People you might know, but I can't remember their their names. Gonna, this is amazing. You can amazing. look up the trailer. Just I they already just launched the trailer. Have mentally put the cider on the stove. It is for so this night. exactly what you want it to be. It's yes. about this couple, singer songwriter couple. They break up and. Um, um, I love the name. So I'm I'm just singing in that. Um, but uh, but um, anyway. And then the other thing is this this documentary that I'm gonna start working on, which I sort of just fell into. And those two things are things that I I had never planned on doing, but they ended up being really fun, and I and I felt like I could do them. And um, I haven't done the documentary yet, but working on it. Anyway, I started thinking like, what else could I do? Because there's so much else to be to be done in this town, and um. You are such a great example because you do. I made a list of things that you do. <laughs> oh no! I mean, you really people sweet. know you probably mostly from Garfunkel and Oaks and all the acting you've done, but you also do improv and um, you do voiceover stuff. Kind right? of voiceovers, for, for mostly. I mean, that's basically how I, I pay my bills lately is just doing a p- bunch of cartoons. I'm Velma so, and Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. And, and I'm on Unikitty and I'm uh, I'm in the show Nature Cat on PBS teaching kids about nature. Love and And uh, yeah, I do Steven Universe and um, DuckTales. I play Webby right. on DuckTales. So uh, yeah, I mean, voiceover is really, really fun. And, um, you know, it's the cliche thing of you can like go in your pajamas and it's totally. So are you, are you watching the the cartoon as you do it, as you record it, or are they just giving you, um, well that to me, so basically you do the script, you just, you know, without anything, without any visuals, but then like the fine tuning part of it, sometimes they've animated it something a little differently or, and that's when you have to do ADR. So Mm. you have to actually match 
the lips and that's very musical and that's like my it, to me it's like a different version of guitar hero where right. you know it's boop 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 and then you have to say the line and you have to match it uh-huh. i love adr i've always loved adr even you do it for movies as well but it's like to me it's like some weird musical game totally. you just have to get match the emotion match the the tone and yeah. it's like really fun it's like when you're when you're listening to when you're trying to record something and you're recording a harmony part you listen to it the way someone else phrased it and then you just you like learn the way they phrase it and then you have to do it but it but it's like that but with with your eyes you have to just kind of watch and follow someone's so do they do they so you go in and you tape the um everything you record everything first Mm -hmm. and then they animate to that yeah okay and then and then you'll go back and like do the fine tuning with the adr later but um but you know and every show is different like scooby-doo i have that tomorrow and usually we do cast records and so like growing up, I'm such a huge fan of Scooby Doo since I was a little kid. Yeah. So the fact that I get to be Velma and I'm in this room with <laughs> with Frank Welker, who has been Fred since 1969, no and he sounds exactly way. the same. He also plays Scooby, and then um, so there's a whole group of us, uh-huh. and uh, and Gray, I think you know Gray Griffin or Gray Delisle. Um, uh-huh. she's a singer as well, and uh, and then Matthew Lillard who plays Shaggy, and he was Shaggy in the movies in the early 2000s. So wow. And when you have the four of us together. And it's like time to solve a mystery, gang. And you're just like, I close my eyes and I still geek out. I'm like, I can't believe, and I've been doing it for four years now, so, so I'm the new cool. one. But uh, it's Are just you guys so just fun. Like all together when you do it? When yeah, well, ideally, mm. uh, sometimes somebody's missing because of work or something. But um, but when we're all there together, it is so thrilling and fun. Like so I, I just cool. like I can't believe right now I'm I'm getting to solve a mystery and you know run away from a monster with these <laughs> this group this is gang. It still, I haven't seen it in a while. Is it still usually like? Like somebody like with a hologram, oh, like you know, a ghost, it. and yeah, yeah, there's always like wires and the yeah. you know like a <laughs> costume, and you take the mask off, and they would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those dang kids. Yeah. But um, it's so much. Fun. I love Scooby Doo. It's never it never gets old to me. Oh man, but that's, uh, that's so cool. I had no idea that it was such a. I thought it was like a much smaller part of of your sort of work that you do here. Well, it's I mean, the nice thing is like I I try to consolidate it because it's like the thing that I fight often is just trying to have my creative time and time to make things. And then it's like so I try to put voiceover on a few days of the week and then I have try to keep the other days open for just being like a creative person and writing and I'm developing some shows. Also, also, I should mention that you are a prolific artist. (gasps) I meant to bring your hat. You left your hat and I meant to bring it to Uh, you. I have it. Um, it. It's safe. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I I just had an art show that Sean was nice enough to come to. And it's um, so great. You can check it out it's it's amazing i love it i've got a few originals at my house actually thanks yeah i really like making cartoons i was an artist in college i was going to be a toy designer and then i got into making puppets and then that got me into acting but cartoons are fun because it's like uh, a really cool way to put something out into the world and thanks to instagram you can just kind of like have this immediate yeah what works and what doesn't but so cool so it went so it went art and then you got into puppeteering mm-hmm and did you did you did you say you worked at Henson? That's yeah, not, when I was when I went to college at Loyola Marymount. So while I was a senior there, I was interning at Jim Henson uh, for two days a week, and uh-huh. um, it was kind of a sad time for the company. It was before Disney bought them out, and so a lot of people were leaving the company, and I was just kind of like, I didn't get to see any Muppets while I was there. Yeah. They they weren't at a place where they were creating at that point but yeah. now i mean they're doing it's like they're doing all these cool things was that at the the studio on vine yeah on uh, la brea la brea, la brea right. and sunset so that i mean has the record yeah like recording used, studio yeah it used to be i used to record there all the time no because way of, because a friend of mine um who was um 
Scott Scott Fritz, who used to do sound at Largo, he used to do those things. Remember, like early on, it was like AOL Live, and it was like America Online. They would have like these bands come in and play. It was just like like an early live performance video. Okay. And this would have been like, yeah, like early two thousands. Anyway, he would do, he was the guy that did all those, and um, he would hold on one second. I get I keep getting calls from my own area code that and look, they look just like my number but it's not my number and then there I've been getting weird calls too where it's just like uh, nobody's there the call from your own area code that you don't have a number for is the most risky call don't yeah it's just like don't pick up <laughs> um, I actually have to get going pretty soon because okay. I'm gonna be writing a song today oh amazing um, but uh, but oh yeah that so Henson I used to record there all the time because he would whenever he had extra time he'd be like yeah the band left I've got the rest of the day go not you come in and I would come in and record in these amazing rooms like the the big room where like we are the world was yeah, recorded yeah that you know? photograph like, that's hanging in the wall over there yeah. it's epic because you're like all of these people over here yeah. and I mean obviously we grew up i'm sure you knew that video like yeah, you know totally it's the craziest group it's of people so and so and i so i ended up hanging out there a lot it's this lot and there's all these writing rooms around it you know and Char- and it was then, originally charlie chaplin's yeah, it was, studio uh, yeah and the the where the recording studio now is was all a, a pool at, when he owned it like for oh the, i didn't know that the actors and actresses to hang out so there's writing rooms all around and then like the pool and if you go all around the perimeter of the um studio there it's like a huge you know big building it's probably like 100 feet by like 75 feet and like three stories high but his footprints are all around the outside of it and that was the outside of the pool i like didn't his, know it was a pool I've, i know see, where like his footprints his, are yeah. yeah and then the behind there is the the barn where the um where the muppets were made and i would yep. go in there and peek in every now and then and there'd, there'd be people this has been the like creature shop two, three that's when i was there that's really? so crazy yeah i probably probably was like the, the creepy guy looking in no that's so wild yeah it was uh that's that's so cool. And I remember um, they also had what used to be Charlie Chaplin's office and a door for his mistresses. Oh, a yeah. secret door. Man, those um, mistresses, they really got treated real well back <laughs> in the day. Had their own door. But um, yeah, also uh, Carol King and Joni Mitchell, like so many oh, yeah. epic records were done there. I remember one of, those, one of the smaller rooms. At, yeah, it was, so it was after Charlie owned it. I, I, I know that it was A&M for a long time. That's where mm-hmm. like a ton of... Like blue was recorded in like the smallest little mixing room there. There was a little room and somebody was like, yeah, that's where she made blue. I just like to imagine them like, you know, going across the street to grab some ice cream at Mosh G. Malone's or oh, something. Oh, yeah. You Mosh know? G. Malone's. <laughs> oh, so weird and good. Yeah. Which, what, what do you? What flavor do you get when you go there? I, you know, I haven't been there in so long, but I always would get like the rose water just because yep. you got to do it. Rose water sorbet. Yeah. Do you get those like weird rice noodle things? No, I never had those. You can get Are these good? like little crispy rice noodles that you sprinkle on top. Interesting. Yeah. Rose I don't water know sorbets. about that. Oh, yeah. Actually, no, I know what you're talking it's about. It's almost... I can picture it. It's just for, like, texture. Yeah. I'm a, I am like sprinkles. Just, like, straight-up sprinkles. Oh, man. I love ice cream. <laughs> uh, is there, oh, I just, we just watched The Little Hours the other day. Oh, yeah. So good, everyone. You just saw it? Thanks for Yeah. It. It's one of those movies that were... I just realized, I was like, I can't believe I haven't seen this movie that one of my best friends is in. And it's been out for, like, a year or two. Yeah. Right? It's, um... It's so good, and Maybe so my many incredible people are in it. I mean, it was it's like an talk about a crazy cast. dream come true. Because first of all, <laughs> I play a nun in the movie. It's a movie about nuns, and I have been collecting nun figurines since I was a teenager. Was I have a be. nun collection. Yeah. I'm, I got to be basically 
I got a phone call and they said, hey, they want you to meet on this meet, movie, meet the director. It's, it's a nun movie. And I said, yeah. nun as an N-U-N. And my manager was like, yeah. And I was like, do you know I have a nun collection? And he was like, what? And so I meet the director. It goes really well. I, I was like this just in my bones, in my DNA. It felt like I need to do yeah. this. And like cut to a week later, I'm like traveling to Italy of all places to be in this movie with so many of my favorite actors. Yeah. Like, it's insane. John Riley's yeah. in it, and Molly Shannon, and, and uh, Fred Armisen, and Aubrey Plaza, and Alison Brie, and Davy Franco. And it's just <laughs> Nick Offerman. It's like the craziest cast. So and we cool. ran around in Tuscany and made this wild movie that didn't even have a script. It only had an outline. Wow. And, um it's it's pretty incredible. We got to shoot in a castle. Where did it, you stay when you were there? We were staying. There was like real, a really beautiful hotel uh, not far from a lot of the locations. Mm-hmm. So we stayed in this beautiful hotel that um, overlooked like a whole mountain range. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe my life. Like just it was it was. Yeah. I mean, I look look back. It feels like it was a dream or something. I, yeah. I was watching it with my girlfriend, Dom, Dominique, and she. We were saying to each other, like, they must have just had so much fun making this. It was, it was like truly a magical time. It was, you know, it was, it's a low budget movie, so we had to shoot it pretty fast. And um, so there's always, you know, it's not like we had to like have, we could do like crazy, like pranks on people. Like there was nothing (laughs) like that because we, time, time was of the essence. But, uh, but I think it was just like beautiful. Everywhere you looked, you're like, I feel like, like you're just like there's a stream and there are a field of flowers yeah. and it was just so pretty and and so much fun to be with all of those people so cool and then also um i don't know for the people listening if you know what a merkin is but basically it's a wig for down there and uh, i had to pick out my merkin and i went for the biggest one i said i give me that one it's a pussy patch it's called and uh i forgot about that yeah, yeah. oh my god talk about glue that's a whole other <laughs> that's a different podcast probably but um Oh man! Yeah, well, it was so great. Um, what, what is it? Uh, what, what is there anything that we should look out for that you're working on now? Um, I have. There's two movies that I've finished that uh, I don't know when they're coming out. Right. But uh, one's called The Last Laugh, and the other is called Seven Stages. But um, and then just you know, all the cartoons, Ducktales. What's, what's and, happening with um Garfunkel and Oates? You guys do you're doing yeah, shows here and there. Yeah, we just played Nashville and Alabama and had three of the best shows we've ever had ever. And I think. Wow. It was just so much fun. And so we definitely want to be touring more. It's just been tricky just with uh, Ricky's schedule and my schedule. Yeah. And Ricky's right now shooting a movie. So, you know, it's like hard to coordinate all for great reasons. Yeah. Um, so. It's so cool that it, it must feel good for you to have. I'm just projecting my own if, if I were you um, thing like to, to be able to because if you just do one thing, like if you were just doing movies, I can imagine that would get so like isolating um, because you're just, you know, with this one group of people, you're doing it. There's no audience. So it might, it probably feels really good to be able to get out into the thick of it and just be in front of people and interact, you know? Well, yeah, I think performing live is my favorite thing. And I mean, yeah. like, you know, it's like, it's just like a, a way to connect that feels like the best for me. I don't yeah. know. It's like, I don't know. Nothing it's such compares. A weird, for me, it's like a trade off. It's almost like making, making records is, is like making a movie in, in certain ways where yeah, totally you know, you're kind of like in the trenches. It's really hard. It's long hours. It's isolating. It's stressful. But you've got at the end, you've got this thing. Hopefully you're proud of that lasts forever. And then a live show can be this amazing experience that only happens because it's live and you're in front of people. But then it's just poof, it's gone. I mean, you could record them, but it's not the same as being there, you know? Yeah. And it's just a it's like a very I don't know when I perform live. I feel very much like like it just 
it feels so right. I can't, you yeah. know, uh, it's just the best when it, when it goes well, when it doesn't go well, it's not the best, but then you just know you can do it yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, I'm so grateful to be able to, to be able to like actually get out and play, play live in front of people. And I realize now how important it is. Like I, I didn't really used to know. I, I would kind of think of it as like, oh, it's just like, um, it's a place that I felt nervous it was always fun, but it was like, okay, I have to get this right. I really have to do this right. And then it became just like this mutual experience between the crowd and the and performers. And and I'm so glad I did it because I, I wouldn't have really gotten into it had I not been sort of forced into it. You know, like and you were young, so yeah. You probably didn't have a grasp on. Well, it's got to be interesting. I, I would actually, yeah, like to to be growing up on stage. Like you don't even know who you are yet. You're out there in front <laughs> right. of tons of people. But I like, mean, and early on, I was just playing the instrumental. I was playing like mandolin at a, you know at a pizza place on a stage in front of like <laughs> I my wish friends I could and have family. Seen that. You know? And and then like little you know town festivals where we're you know, on a stage with a bunch of like hay bales and you know like four people listening. And so it was definitely like a gradual a gradual thing. And then at, at a certain point. I remember I just played all the time, and then at a certain point, I, I was going to have to sing a song on stage. And it was like Sarah and Chris were doing all the singing. They kind of like made me to, made me do it. They're like, you have to you have to sing. We can't just can't just be us. And I was like, okay, fine. And I remember it, it was on this stage in a, at a county fair. It was like the Las Vegas County Fair, hot as hell, just miserable conditions. And I, my song was in the middle of the set, and I was like, every song that went by, I was like, oh man, one song closer. And then finally we get to like, you know, the song before and I'm like, I'm so nervous and my voice is shaking. I just had to do it. And then I, then I was like, oh, this is, I can totally do this. Great. You know? And then, you know, so there's been like waves of like, you know, nervousness and then being like, oh, I, I can handle this. And then like it gets bigger and you're like, oh, this is, this is a big stage. And then you get used to that. And, um, and there's still, there's still a little bit of, still a little bit of nerves every time we get on stage, but, but it's, I think it's good. It I, sharpens you, you know? I feel like if I don't feel that tiny bit of nervousness before I go on stage, I worry for the show. If I'm yeah. too comfortable, it's not going to be great. Like yep. I, I, that nervousness for me is just a check-in that like you really like it's, you're doing this for these people who have taken their night yep. to be with you. Yep. Like don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And they spent money. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like it, I think about a couple that will come see us at Largo. Like that's $50 plus yeah. probably buying some beer or wine. And a like babysitter like, or whatever. It's like it's they've like spent a, a whole, you know, it's like, it's good to have that nervousness, and I that's, think. Yeah. And so, yeah, it keeps you, it reminds you, it keeps you on your toes. It's really, it's really good. Yeah. Um, okay. We have been talking for like a long time. This is great. Oh, yeah. I got to go. I'm, <laughs> I'm meeting a friend at three to start. Right? We, it's right. funny. I was jamming, uh, just like playing a little riff on the piano the other day. And, and this girl was over uh, working with Jake and she started singing over what I was playing and we just started writing a song, but Sweet. neither of us had time to finish it. And so we're going to finish it today. That's great. Um, so I got to run. But um, Well, everybody check out uh, Kate Micucci on Instagram any, on and Twitter on the internet. And, yeah. I, and my <laughs> website that I update once a year, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> you can find her if you, if you want. And uh, there's all kinds of great stuff. So and thank Sean, you. Oh. Thank what I, well i was gonna thank you at the same time you were thanking me i'm sorry i stepped on your thank you we could just do it we could do a simultaneous thank ready? you i'll count it off ready one two three thank, thank you, you. thank you sean <laughs> thanks for having me and everybody check out sean's record <laughs> all right see you guys Bye-bye. bye all right thanks so much for listening folks uh i had such a fun time talking to kate she is just awesome um a great way to keep up with her and what she's up to is just to follow her on instagram her handle is kate micucci 
Go figure. Um, her last name is spelled M-I-C-U-C-C-I. Okay, folks. Now I'm gone for real. Have a great day. Bye. I'm Hallie Labonte from Mega the Podcast. I'm a weekend producer at Twin Hills, a fictional mega church in Broad Ripple, Indiana. And I'm Gray Haas. I'm the youth pastor of our church's teen ministry called Climax. On every episode of Mega the Podcast, we improvise with a new guest comedian playing a different character from our community. Tune in and hear episodes with guests like Cecily Strong. How would you me off? Or whatever? Sorry, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. You know what? Well, it's well, covered well, in the blood. Rory Scoville. Uh, yeah, I said, hey, we could build houses or we could... Uh, we could build our faith in Christ out on a golf course. Eliza Coop. The way I plow the snow yeah. is uh, I'm not doing it by any other guidance except from from God. And Scott adds it. Physics is the proof of God. Wow. Because it's perfect. Oh. Uh, well. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. We couldn't think of physics. Right. Only he could think of physics. Isn't that right? We're on Campfire Media. Listen to Mega wherever you find podcasts.